Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Hello and welcome back to Peaceful Treason. Oh wait, no, it's Tasting Anarchy. (laughs) We just don't normally have this gap. (laughs) That's true. That's right. We have uh, taken a, I think actually over a month now, hiatus. I think it's two. Um, it had been two months, yeah. Just a busy summer, and um, well, and that you know, we talked for an hour and a half. Yes, that's true. Week. Yeah, yeah, too too <laughs> chit chatty. So, uh, <laughs> but we're back. I've got a review. Mm-hmm. If we want to get into reviews right away, and then we've got a pretty good article, so we'll make it a a poignant yeah. episode. Sweet. You want me to go over my uh, my wine? Yes. So, for anybody who very much like that. It's uh, so I don't know if you can read it, but it's Dutchman no. <laughs> Family Wine. Yeah, it's kind of hard to see Dutchman Family Wine, um, winery, which is uh, here in I think they're in High Plains. Uh, these grapes are High Plains grapes, but they they may have a Hill Country um, estate or whatever. Uh, this is a I do not recall having drank this before, uh, mm-hmm. but it is a varietal from Central Italy. I'm going to try to pronounce it. It's Monte Pulciano. Monte Pulciano. <laughs> uh, gotcha. And it is, uh, I actually, I think I closed my tab, but I had a little thing. I want to talk a little bit about the grape. Oh, yeah. But I actually think this was, um, so this is up my alley and probably up your alley too. It, well, it's, a, it's a dry red, obviously, because we don't really drink sweet and, or sometimes we do, I guess. But, um, not intentionally. Yeah, Usually. yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, crap. Uh, but, um, so, I liked this. I thought it was really good. So I actually got two wines from, from uh, Dutchman Family Winery. And I actually, I remember having their Tanat at one point and being like, wow, this is really good. And I think it was actually, I was at a French restaurant in uh, Dallas when we had it. And, uh, and it, I mean, it was, it was, it was really good. And then I, I always see them at Total Wine, and I just never get them for some reason. And then mm-hmm. so I saw they had two. They had a red blend and, and this one. And the red blend, I didn't think was very good. I thought it was kind of uh, just uninteresting. just tasted like wine. And it was not cheap. It was like 25 bucks or something like that. This one was also, I think, around $25. And, but this one I thought was very interesting. I haven't had it before. Um, I'll read over some of the notes of this. Uh, so... They get a pronunciation on here. That's what I was actually looking for. It's Montapulcano or Chano, C-H-A-N-N-O. So uh, it is uh, medium fruity, heavy body, heavy on the tannins, heavy on the acidity, and medium alcohol. So uh, all of those things are kind of things that, that we typically like. Almost all of it is grown in Italy, but they are now growing it a lot more in Texas because they discovered that Texas actually does really well with Italian varietals. And, and I guess there's a similarity in the climate, uh, especially in central and southern Italy. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is a very uncommon grape. They don't, they don't like Italy doesn't export it really. Uh, they, you can probably get it, but it's not a, it's not a primary export. It's more drink, drunk locally. Uh, but it's, so it's kind of like more like the, like the French table wine. So it's like a more like an Italian table wine grape where it's like, this is for internal consumption. It's not our export heavy focused 
Yeah. 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 Exactly. So uh, I I liked it. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it some more. If I can find others, I'll give some others a try. Uh, nice. They they redeemed themselves on this one from the from the red blend, which I was kind of disappointed in. Uh, but it yeah. does say uh, to go ahead and uh, eat it with roast pork shoulder, beef burgers with mushrooms, beef bolognese, or bol, bol, whatever that is, barbecue. Bolognese? B O L O G N E S E. Beef. Yeah, I think it's bolognese. Okay, I don't know how to say that. But maybe not. I mean, I'm not really, okay. you know, I'm just as bad uh, as you are yeah. with it. So. Yeah. And what's funny is one of the things that they suggest here is tacos. I did have this with tacos. Uh, they, were, they were tacos I made. So, mm. uh, But braised goat is another su- suggestion or shepherd's pie. So all of those things are good things. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, so uh, I, liked it. I liked it. That's my review on this wine. Uh, you sit so, on anything uh, interesting this week? What was the ABV, and then do you have a year on it? Yeah, it's 2018. Uh, the ABV uh-huh. was 14.5. So not crazy high. Like, you know, Texas wines do, a lot of times they'll break them for a long time to get up to, like, 16. But, uh, yeah, is, it's all, you know, pretty it, And as we've talked about, the pro, that's the kind of the problem with Texas is, like, yeah. because of the immense heat and a lot of good solid sun, you have high brick naturally, even on grapes that aren't necessarily structured in their former growing areas for that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so in our quest uh, to uh, spend as much money as possible living a normal life, um, and I say that with like all like total endorsement for my wife's choices, um, you know, we drive like 20 plus minutes away to go to the Kroger marketplace and up until, so like I saw an article on zero hedge saying like the great resignation was over and people were returning to work. And like every time I've been into Kroger in the last month, it's been getting more and more employees that aren't those stupid cart pushing, like buy your groceries online. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So like, we had been going to Kroger and then like we would be getting there because like, so I normally wake up at like five on the weekends and not by choice. It's not like I'm getting up going like, I'm that guy. I'm getting five. Yeah. Look at my watch. We'll do exercise. Like, yeah, I will do those things, but I don't intentionally get up. So my daughter has been waking up like 30 minutes after where we would normally get her up or actually kind of around where she would normally get up during the week, sometimes even earlier. And so she'd get up and then she being almost six, you know, shouting and doing all that sort of stuff. Six year olds do. It's like, okay, well, yeah. for me, like I've been up for upwards of an hour. It just depends. So my wife will come out. So we're getting to the Kroger and like their meat counter doesn't open until 10. So okay. we try to eat fish on like, or some sort of seafood on Saturdays just for dietary variety and we like it. I mean, we're, that's just what we like. So they, you know, we we're like, go in like their fish slash meat counter. doesn't open until 10 for like the better stuff. And it's like, all right. So then we end up going to Wegmans because like at Wegmans, you can get like two pounds of mussels for like eight bucks. Okay. Can't beat it. And Wegmans has a far superior, 
alcohol selection, like much better wine, more exotic stuff. And sometimes stuff that total wine doesn't even have, but total wine has a lot of stuff they don't have. So it's like a good kind of mix point. So the other day we were in there and I was like, okay, I'm going to get a wine. And it's like, okay, I'll get a red wine. Cause we were doing like surf and turf or something like that. So I was like, okay, I'll get a wine. So I'm you know, looking around and I'm just like, shit, Jacob's not up yet. Like <laughs> are not like functionally like messageable. Be like, Hey, like just suggest like a, a kind of a red wine variety, you know, like kind of, I'll look for the variety or like a country, like, Oh, go get yeah. something Chilean or whatever. Cause like the thing that sucks about Wegmans is like their Chilean section. It, the stuff that's over $20 is really over $20. Okay. The stuff that's under $20 is really under $20. And you, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, nothing in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, Chile, it's like, that's true. It's hard. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, t- it's tough to tell because sometimes you can get like a $40 bottle from there and it's okay. Like 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but like you can get really good ones for like $10. Uh, like, and it's one of the few places you can get Carmenere just because exactly. it doesn't grow anywhere else. Yeah. Really, well, not anymore, so, but. yeah. So they've got like a New Zealand section. So, you know, like I was looking around and I was like, oh, they've got a Virginia section. So oh, cool. I get a Cab Franc. Oh, yeah. And it's okay. So I okay. got another Cap Franc. So this is the second Cap Franc. So this was from Jefferson's Vineyards. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I've done this one or you did this one. I like I think so. we've had this one. Um so you know, it's like 13.5 alcohol by volume. I think it's the 2018, but like on the website it's the 2021. I don't remember like I didn't take a picture of the bottle itself um but like the first sip was kind of like weak but every sip after that was better (laughs) like just the first one was kind of like watery and i was like i don't aerate and i don't treat the wine as well as you know like i don't do the right stuff because normally like i do kind of like more the french style i don't buy things to keep i buy them to drink so it's like, okay, like it's going to be done in a week and a half at most. So it's fine. So, but, um, very peppery, both were like pretty peppery. Um, like but this that. one had like good red fruit flavors. Like I was thinking raspberry, but like I looked at the tasting notes and it said cherry and I was like, no, 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 no. I, I, I knew it was a red fruit. I right. was kind of like going with more raspberry, but I haven't had raspberry in a while and we've had cherries yeah. recently and I don't know why I didn't like put the two together. Um, but you know, pretty good cherry. Um, it was like that beautiful red purple where it's like dark, almost black, but when you hold it up to the light, you can still see through it. So it was right. like very yeah. interesting in color, like, um, pretty good acidity, not like super heavy in the tannins, but like, yeah, I was like, this is kind of why like Virginia does Cab Franc. Like this is a very interesting interpretation of Cab Franc and Jefferson's vineyards is like a 40 year old Virginia vineyard, like vineyard. So like done in the eighties. So like back when Virginia wine was like more garbage than normal. Um, Yeah. It was just, 
it was a good and it was like their website has it for like you know 28 bucks or something like that yeah like 28.95 and i got it for like 22 so oh you know seller markup i'm sure but like i was like oh this is fine so i was going to kind of make that a tradition and then recently we've just had the meat that we needed and stuff because like that was the other thing is like with wegmans is they have a better like of the vegetables they have, which isn't always as many as Kroger, like variety wise, mm. they're generally just better. Yeah. Like we kept having like all these problems, like half the avocados are like either like frozen, basically still from the storage or they're mush. And then like mm. at Wegmans, you just be like, there's no avocados. And you're like, okay, well, but then you like go over to the broccoli and it's all great. Like none yeah. of it's bad. And it's like, okay, but it's a more expensive grocery store. But also every time we went there, we'd spend <laughs> half of the amount we would spend would be booze. So it's like, I got a bottle of wine and this pack of beer. Speaking of which, I got a uh, October or uh, O'Connor's Imperial Oktoberfest. Oh, okay. Very Good. solid Oktoberfest. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, are all Oktoberfest bars and beers? I think that's the style that Oktoberfest is supposed to be in, but I think there's probably some, you know, it's like those weird interpretations. They're like, this is an Oktoberfest. And you're like, boy, yeah. <laughs> like, but this was for 8%. To me, it didn't taste super alcoholic y. It was very amber and malty and it was okay. really good. And it was like $11.99 for like a six pack. And it was like Ooh, 8% good. beer. But it wasn't like, like, that's the, my problem recently is like, you know, I do like more alcoholic beer, but I'm much more now into like I want malt and I like yeah. I want the dark beer flavor. You want normal I want... beer, yeah. Like, I, I've been talking about this. I've been talking about this with Will a little bit. It's like lately I've just into just regular beer. So like Martin beer to me is a, a normal beer. Like I just want like I like the IPAs and stuff. Still, I think I'm my palate on those is a little bit blown. So like I'm and I'm very much done with sours for now um but the yeah but like kind of what you're saying like the multi flavor the just the normal like i've actually like i didn't when ever since you've known me i don't really care for lagers that much they're okay lately i've liked lagers a lot so yeah uh it's just uh, you know you're you're kind of your taste yeah that oscillate that's the thing the thing for me is it's like i like if, if I had to like go like, so 60 minute, 90 minute, 120 minute, Hoptopus, and then um, what's it called? Like whatever um, River Beach's standard IPA because the Hoptopus is their oh. Imperial IPA. And then yeah. like they have the Kraken, which is their triple IPA, which is like their version of 120 minutes. Like yeah. I could have those IPAs pretty much forever and be okay. I yeah. had the Double Dales recently IPA from uh, Oscar Blues. That was yeah, really good. good. Yeah. Yeah. But like every other, like exotic, like every other IPA, like it's like juicy, fruity. Like I'm just like, no, I'm yeah. not interested in that. I still, I like sours a lot. Yeah. But they're just heartburn machines to me. Yeah. It's just like, okay, I'm going to buy a six pack of sour. I'm going to buy a six pack of this other thing and I'll drink one of each. And those will be the beers I'll have, like, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. But yeah, I'm just at that point where I'm ready for the wintry style beers. Yeah. And to me, it always drives me nuts that 
like brown ale gets like you don't see a lot of brown ale no i don't know why you don't see a lot of like 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 not saisons like saisons are fine but like you're not seeing a lot of like kolsch and stuff like that it's like like i understand ipa sell that's fine but like for me i'm just like i want that more exotic and that's one of the things i really like about going to uh what's it what's it called um wegmans because like even total wine here has just been like mutating into this weird like if it's not ipa we don't really have it and i'm like oh we've got local beer it's from virginia it's like there are 32 breweries in hampton roads and they're all canning you guys have three of them yeah like i don't give a shit about wallops island brewery well, I do because it's a good brewery, but yeah. it's like I can't go to it. So, yeah. well, you know, it's, it's so weird. Uh, I, you know what? I think that what ignited my interest in like the, the German bridles again was going down to Hill Country and going to Alstab Brewing. Um, mm-hmm. And they had Kolsch, they had uh, Hefeweizen, Lager, uh, you know, all the, you know, the regular German beers. And it is just well-produced normal beer, I would say. Like, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't say like it's like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing I've ever had. But it's like, you can go there, you can get German food from the restaurant, which is pretty good German food, and German beer. And, yeah, and it's... And it is legit German because that's the German part of Texas. Yeah, but and you're not going to get like a, every third beer is just like... It, half-assed attempt it's like this is a solid beer yeah Yeah. that's that's kind of the thing that's like i want to drink less beer because i'll drink the whole six pack over two days and it's just like i don't need that many calories it's like i'm not like trashed or something like that and i'm not looking to get trashed but i'm just like i like having a flavored drink and since so far as an adult i don't like tea and I can't yeah. have caffeine after a certain point. It's like you got water right. or you have alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I don't need the carbs. So for a while there, I was like getting more wine, but like I was not getting anything where I was like, this is so amazing. And then we were like missing episodes. So then I was just like, yeah, <laughs> right. I'll keep buying beer. Like, cause somehow this justifies the decision yeah. as opposed to, Hey, get a thing of wine and enjoy the mm-hmm. wine. And like, even, you know, with re- not recorking, but like I've got not the vac stoppers like you, but I've got stoppers. Yeah. I don't drink like in it, like I won't go drink an entire bottle of wine in a day, but like I'll drink four out of a six pack of 8% alcohol beers and be like, oh, yeah. I started at like noon and finished at like six. So I'm not hammered, but it's like now I just feel bloated all week. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've been trying to cut, cut back a little bit on drinking generally. Um, <laughs> I was actually very proud of myself that this this uh, wine that I had, I didn't drink in one sitting. I sp- spread it out over three days. Nice. It was, for me, it's pretty good. But then I kind of uh, screwed the pooch on that because uh, on Friday, speaking of Marzen beer, the, I was at Kroger and I noticed that they had the Oktoberfest from Arnstam, which is a good, a good Oktoberfest. Um, and I was like, oh, I'll grab this just because, you know, I, I want I want some Oktoberfest beer. I proceed to go home and drink the entire six pack. So. <laughs> yeah. So 
I think that leads perfectly into the article that I sent you, which yeah. is, uh, so I got it pulled up here. This is the insidious nature of the government. So being in your drink as our, uh, wonderful tagline is it like in Japan, the like, and this is the thing that's always kind of weird about the United States is the United States doesn't have a national sales tax, right? The United States has national tariffs. So that does impact the cost of final goods and, you know, consumer, like sometimes consumer goods, sometimes not all that stuff. But in Japan, like, I believe there are also local sales taxes, but there are like taxes on things at the national level. Yeah. And one of the things they tax at the national level is alcohol. And at one point, like 10 to 20 years ago, it was 3% of the entire Japanese tax revenue. Yeah, it says, it says uh, insane. It was, in 2011, it was 3% of the total uh, Japanese tax revenue. And yeah. then it's saying now in 20, well, as of 2020, it's 2%. So they've lost mm -hmm. an entire percent of revenue. Uh, Although, you know, that can always, that's always tricky to know the percentages because other things may have changed. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting article. Do you want to summarize it real quick? Or uh, so, yeah, the, basically, like, with Japan, there's, so there's many facets of what's impacting this. So one of the things that is kind of a, in the industrialized world, people of our generation and younger are less likely to be frequent and aggressive consumers of alcohol. Yeah. They're, they're still alcoholics. I mean, they're still, you know, I think it's like same percentage and that sort of stuff, like, you know, alcoholism itself. But that's one of the things is like across the world in the developed world, like alcohol consumption is down in general and that was kind of the big weird thing about seltzer is that like it did kind of spike that back up, but like not in places like Japan, but like another thing was yeah. Japan used to, and is starting to try to convince like business people that going out and drinking until the late night with your colleagues and then going to work the next morning is like good for like communication. So right, yeah. But like, this is the thing that, you know, one of those interesting things is like the, the debt on record, like actual sold debt issuance in Japan is so much larger than GDP. Now in the United yeah. States, there's the sold debt and then there's the promised debt. And Japan's even worse with the promised debt because right. like they have all that on book and stuff. But like, so to me, it's very interesting that like as their population is going down, like I think like that's one of the things that the article doesn't specifically point off is like how much of their how much of the like the die off in Japan that's been happening over the last ten yeah. to twenty years. Also, with this massive reduction in alcohol consumption, so it's like three to two percent, like a drop from three to two percent. But it's like if you were to look at like what the tax revenue pie or the total tax revenue of the Japanese government in 2011 compared to the total tax revenue of the Japanese government in 2021. Right. Like, what is that? And then like, it's like even being locked in your own house, like you're not going to be a, a hammered alcoholic like those Americans. Yeah. So. 
But and that I think I think that the demographic, someone that I've been very interested in lately, just because I read that book, um, they do sort of mention it in here is is basically that the the current generation of young people is a small generation, and not only is it a small generation, but it also does not drink as much as their parents and grandparents. So you've got yeah. so that sort of added on to that, and they've got that sort of upside down pyramid shape demographics where people just and you know what, maybe this is part of it is that if you're drinking less less chance for you to accidentally get somebody pregnant so but uh well maybe that maybe that's, that's part of it <laughs> well like that's one of the things that's very weird about japanese society is like if you watch like anime like yeah. there's the um slice of life anime like a lot of the like a lot of the high schools there's always like the show about that one loner, but like everybody else seems to have like a group and a club and a, a yeah. like it's kind of like watching the December or the detectorists where right. it's like in Britain, they have all these clubs and right. so like ec not economic, like uh, social groups, but like these social groups that people go to and do stuff. Right. And like, and I think it's also in part because it stays so late in the summer there, like bright in the summer there compared to like here at least. Um, but like, that's one of the things that like always kind of baffled me is in Japan. It's like how little, like there's, it's not a very super social culture. And that's one of the things that like, you know, I think part of the world will like world war two did is it kills, it killed off so many of their like males and stuff like that. And so yeah. much of their population and like, the social fabric was completely gone. Like now granted there was a lot of militarism and all that stuff, but it's like, sure. you know, how much like, it, like in the United States, like in the fifties, the like the town got together and did stuff like big 4th of July parties and stuff like that. Yeah. And now it's like, you don't see those sort of things anymore. And like Japan, it's like, you know, Hakamori or like uh whatever the like total uh, recluses. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like total like recluses and stuff like that. So it's a, a very interesting like measure, but it's also one of those things. It's like the classic, like the classic progressive standpoint is you tax what you don't want to exist and you tax it out of existence. And then yeah. they switched at some point to being like, Oh no, 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 like, well, we can't get them to stop it. So we'll just tax it at the, the threshold that is like, it's like a, the Phillips curve, it's like the optimal yeah. taxation point. And right. people are like, that's not even what he was trying to say. He's like, they right. if you're going to do this, like there's a point where like there's where, a measure yeah, where you, you don't do it. Right. Like no tax is better than tax, right. like from a yeah. consumption standpoint. So well, and I'm I'm wondering like with uh sort of in the United States, I think that we are you know, you and I were talking about this before the show, is that like millennials aren't having really any kids. I'm 35. I have none. And my dad had five when he was my age and, they, and, and five and they were old. I was 15. I think when my dad was 35. Uh, so, so your dad had you when you were 20, when he was 20, he was, I think 19, I think he's 55. Yeah. He's 55. So yeah, yeah. no, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So he was quite a bit older or quite a bit younger than when he started having a family. But one of the things like I was talking to my neighbor, Charles, uh, the other day, he, who's a really old man. Actually, he used to work for uh, Lockheed, uh, which I think is funny. But um, I was talking to him the other day, and, and 
uh, he was like, just, I, you know, he's an old man, so just give me the history of the neighborhood and stuff. He's lived here for 40 years or whenever his house was built, he moved in and that, he's been there since. But uh, he was like, yeah, you know, we used to have block parties all the time and our kids all, you know, hung out and got along and there was a lot of, uh, a lot of community. We had a community watch. We had, uh, he said it was like a homeowners association, but not mandatory. It's just people could come in and discuss stuff. And he said, but for whatever reason, that just sort of went away in the 90s. And, uh, and I was thinking about it and I was like, I think the reason it went away is your kids grew up and nobody else moved in with kids. So like kids are kind of well, like a lubricant when it comes to social interaction with adults. Well, I think like the big thing is the um, Bill Clinton came in with that every every American should own, be able to own a home policy. And yeah. I think that like destroyed the fabrics of neighborhoods by like making it so that home ownership became a more achievable standpoint. So like people tried to hold on to their home. It, like that's it, like, it's cause you know, you had more people come like vying to buy homes, which helped drive yeah. up the price of homes. So when people were like, Oh no, like I spent all this money on this house. I still have to recoup it. Whereas <sighs> like, is the minute, like, is, you know, thinking about like, you know, your grandmother has like retained her house for yeah. a very long time, but in part because she's always had, for a long time had family still living and like right. was very community oriented and stuff like that. Whereas a lot of times, like, you know, like my grandparents, like when my granddad retired, they moved to like gig Harbor and bought like a smaller, much smaller house. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, they had five kids and all that stuff, but they got a much smaller house and like they moved from San Diego to Washington, yeah. uh, mainly for like military benefit costs and stuff like that. But, so I think like that had a lot to do with it where it's like suddenly there's this houses and like this is something that you and I have discussed quite frequently and I think you're of a different mind than I am but like I don't think your positioning is wrong necessarily it's mm -hmm. the houses become more disposable but not in the disposable like you're buying for the situation you're it's more like well this house doesn't fit my needs so I'm just going to go buy somewhere else as opposed to add on manipulate sure, yeah. or just this house to fit my needs no i'm just going to go somewhere else yeah and like and it used to be much more common to add on additions and make your house yeah. slightly larger uh your house said, you know you, i think you said you you have one of your one of one of the rooms on your house in addition yeah my 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 bedroom is an extension onto the back mm -hmm. of the house and then like our kitchen is not the natural original kitchen position and everything like that mm -hmm. but yeah that's the thing that like the um like local government has destroyed is the ability to adjust your home to see see your needs and you have to factor in like does it fit with the like i understand like if you had like if you had a ha like a neighborhood and all of the houses were built in 1600 and like it's like hey the kind of deeds for this is these houses are going to remain this yeah stupid to buy that but i get it whereas like here it's like yeah, you can't put a patio on your house without getting a permit. Yeah, and it's expensive and it, and, and difficult uh, yeah. a lot of times. That's why a lot of times people just hire somebody to do it for them. They say, "Well, you go through yeah. all the permit process." Yeah, so. and it's not like it's not like somebody going like, "Hey, we live in Florida and there's a lot of sinkholes and 
we just need you to check so you don't collapse your own house on yourself. Cause did you think about that? Like, yeah. okay, I can kind of see that. But like here, it's like they don't come out and like check that you've had misutility, like check everything. Like it's just this rubber stamping process that doesn't actually achieve anything. Right. Other than get the city revenue, which it already is bilking you for by doing all this right. other stuff. And like that's the drives me nuts is like this idea, like, I mean, you know, the solution to the problem is more government when the problem is more government. Like, yeah, yeah it's like, okay, why is the, you know, why did the dream of like, like there's the death in the hay market, which is a book Michael Malice talks about, like on the, um, you know, uh, Leonard league and like the, or Lewis league and like the anarchists and mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. And like Chicago and like the bomb throwing and stuff. And it's like, everyone's always like, Oh, the social fabric of America is unwinding. It's like, do you know what the social fabric was like after the civil war in yeah. like the union cities? It was freaking insane. Like, like, like it, going back, it's very surprising that like the first communist revolution happened in Russia and everyone's like, Oh, why? Cause they were such backwards peasants. It's like, no, cause America was a bunch of commie pieces of shit. <laughs> like, yeah. And they, they funded like, it, so. Well, no, it's, it's what I mean is like, if you read about like the, you know, seven, like 1870s and 1880s in the U.S., it's like, yeah, yeah, labor was horribly mistreated by bosses because the cities were all gangsters. Like, you know, it's just that classic. Yeah, like, but it's also kind of like what, what Bob Murphy always says is, yeah, they were treated poorly by their bosses, but compared to what? So, compared no, no, to, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. But that's my point is like, there's a lot of these things where it's like, without the state's power, the government or the, like these businesses have no influence on you because you, most of the time you could just walk away. But that's the problem is like these cities were like ultra corrupt where it's like, Hey, like these businesses are giving money. But like, I mean, how many of these people, the the American dream was to be your own boss was to start your own company, make your fortune not work in somebody else's machine. Right. So, yeah. Um, uh, so, what, let me touch one more time on this Japanese article. Is I think this is yeah. a huge mistake for, <laughs> for okay. the Japanese government because if they're if they're gonna, I, I really, this is it's actually funny because I I have argued against this on the show before where the FDA, you know, when Mary Brewer came up with that additive to alcohol that would like decrease liver disease. The FDA's position was we don't want to allow this because we don't want to promote alcoholism. Mm-hmm. I and this is not exactly the opposite, but like I also don't think the government should be promoting alcoholism, and or or just should you know drinking you and I enjoy it and in moderation it can be beneficial, but like it's a it's a very individualist kind of thing is people need to know their own tolerances. And if people are naturally just not drinking as much, there's probably a reason why. And uh, the government coming in being like, you all need to drink more so we can get more tax revenue. Then like, I I see this backfiring or them like encouraging the heck out of it. And then having like a a generation of drunks. Yeah. It was, that's, that's the classic thing is like the, it's the problem waiting to solve the problem. Like we've got a problem. We're low on tax revenue. It's like, okay, so what if you guys decreased like all of these 
barriers to business entry and then just allow like had a flat 5% tax and allowed people to basically have kind of whatever business they want with, you know, like, so if the, if the government's going to do anything, stop the abuse of children yeah. and stop people from being sold into slavery. Yeah. You know, like, uh, like if we could get the government to just doing that, I'll worry about getting rid of that <laughs> later. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's kind of like the Michael Malice thing. It's like, the only thing we have to worry about is like the government feeding kids, like, then we've done a pretty good job. But like yeah. for the time being, like I'm going to go with the kids have food at least. And I will worry about all of the other stuff. And then we will fix this food problem. But like, that's the same thing. It's like, well, why aren't they drinking as much? Well, can they afford to drink? Have you destroyed the currency? Like, yeah, you know, like it's like, Oh yeah. Like, well, we're not getting as much tax revenue. It's like, well, it turns out if we looked at the volume of alcohol per liter that the Japanese are drinking, it's the same proportional to the population. It's just that alcohol is three times as expensive yeah. and tax is a big part of it. You know, like one of those things where it's like, again, like that Phillips curve where it's like, you, like yeah, you're looking don't. at a sing- Yeah. You're looking at this very narrow segment of your, your economy and going, well, our tax revenue is down on drinking. It's like, okay, well, your tax revenue is up 3% on gaming. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, and that, and I it, think that's, I mean, that's the thing is if they, if they have to tax you, well, I mean, you, yours and I's inclination initially would be reduce spending. Like if you're, if you're not getting yeah. as much tax revenue, stop spending as much, but um, look, yeah, look, have a more holistic view of your society. Your society is made up of a lot of old people. And if you really want tax taxes, that's the people who have money. So yeah, it, like young people, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the like employment situation stuff is in Japan, but uh, I, from my understanding, like things are not great there right now. They're, yeah. they've been stagnant for 20 years. Um, well, like this is the the classic like the Japanese gear that is their economy has been trying to downshift, and the government keeps spending to try to keep it yeah. up. Whereas, like the the Japanese basically economy is naturally trying to go into a deep depression, yeah, to come out of it and burn off all of these zombie businesses. Right. Yeah. But the government won't let it. So. Yep. Yeah. And uh, if Peter Zion is right, then they'll be deindustrializing here shortly. So they and China too. Like a lot of these countries, according to him, that just don't have the demographics for people to to do that. They'll just end up and, and Japan in particular because they're xenophobic. Uh, like they'll just revert back to the way it was prior to them industrializing. So just kind of go back to a more agrarian lifestyle and and manager managerial so he talks a little bit about japan but it's an interesting place is like i guess they a lot of their companies recognize the issue of demographics like 30 years ago they're like oh crap like this is not going to work so they actually i guess started moving their their factories to places where they actually sold the product and to cut down on shipping costs and so like uh well hyundai's i think korean but like Hyundai, mm-hmm. for example, is in, in the, but Korea actually has a similar demographic issue as Japan, but um, they, they moved it to where they sell the most Hyundais, which is the United States. 
And so that company makes money and operates in the United States and it sends a small portion of it back to the motherland. And that's basically yeah. what they are, that what they're planning on living off of is, is they've got, they've situated themselves. I can't remember what he calls it, but he had a term for it where they, where these countries that, ha, that have an aging population, the wise thing to do would have been to move your factories to the places where you sell the products and then just accept a small portion of it back and manage it. Yeah. So. Well, it's like a, I saw like an article or a news thing about like possibly, and you know, maybe I'm making it up or like, who knows, but it was like basically saying that like the, the Tacoma was the most produced in America truck for sale in America. <laughs> Cause like yeah. all the F-150s are built in Mexico. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah no, I think, I think that's actually, yeah. I think, I think, I think Toyota, because you know, Toyota makes their, uh, makes Tacomas here in Texas. So like you see yeah. them walk, driving around all the time, they've got a big a big sticker on the back or a big not a sticker but like a logo where it'll be like Tacoma made in Texas. And so it's like, what exactly is an American car? And that like this is actually made here and does employ people. So if you really want to buy an American, that would be what you would buy. Um, or a yeah. Hyundai because they're made in Alabama, I think. Uh, or yeah, basically maybe. all of the all of the Asian all of the dominant Asian car brands, I don't know about Kia, but Hyundai and Kia are the same company, but like Toyota, Lex, like Toyota, which is like a Lexus is theirs, like Honda, they all build in the U S like, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're entering an interesting world and I hope that yeah. an alcoholic Japan is not part of that world. I hope that they, <laughs> apparently not <laughs> a moderate drinker <laughs> society because that would be best. All right, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Do you want to do a plug? Yes, sir. All right, yeah, so we're Tasting Anarchy. You can follow us uh, on Twitter, Tasting Anarchy. Uh, you can follow Childerberg, which is our annual event in Texas. We have another one coming up, Childerberg uh, Go, because it's yep. the... Uh, Speaking speak- Japanese. Yeah, that's the, the fifth. The shirt. Yeah, it's the fifth one. Um, so that's, I think, the 28th through the 30th. Um, um, I May and twenty. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember yeah. what they are. I know it. I think it's the twenty. I think it's. I think you're right. I think it is the twenty eighth. Let's find out. It is twenty sixth through twenty ninth. So, oh yeah. yeah. So twenty sixth through twenty ninth. Uh, place to be determined, but somewhere. Uh, uh, as of right now, it's still Mule Shoe, but we may be we may be moving venues. It'll be somewhere very near near Muleshoe, so yeah. Hill Country. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be like near to, near Austin as usual. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, uh, stay free, everybody. That's right. Stay free.